0: Hey everyone, welcome to Life Church. My name is Kristen and I serve on our worship team. We're really glad to have you with us here today. When you walked into service, you received your bulletin. On the inside of that bulletin, you'll find your connection card. That card does exactly what it says it does. It helps us to stay connected to you. So if you could, please take out your card and fill it out with as much information as you're comfortable giving. At the bottom of your connection card, you will see the write-in section for our Pray for Ones. Pray for One is the ministry that we are praying every day that God would send us one person to share his love with. Now for something new, both your connection card and your giving options are available through text. For a mobile connection card, text the word CONNECT. And to give, text the word GIVE to the number you see on your screen. Coming up on August 6th, we'll be starting our 21 Days of Prayer. We'll be meeting here at 7 a.m. Monday through Thursday, and we would love to have you join us for prayer. If you want to get involved in what God is doing here at Life Church, we would love for you to join a dream team. The way you get connected to dream teams is through Grow. Grow is where we take the time to help you find your best fit at Life Church and get you placed on a team. Grow takes place the first two Sundays of every month at 10:30. You can sign up for an upcoming Grow session on the back of your connection card. For more information about Grow or anything else going on at Life Church, please visit us at the Welcome Center in the lobby. That's it for Life Church news. Enjoy the rest of the service.
1: today? All right. We're in the right crowd today. Well, thank you. I'm Pastor Tom. If I haven't had a chance to get to know you or meet you, I'd love to today. So make sure to, after the service, stop by, shake my hand. I'd love to get to know you. Um, I am really excited to start this new series. But before we get started, a couple things. How many here were last week and heard the message for the missionary? Wasn't that awesome, Scott Phillips? He did a great job. Well, I was supposed to speak last week. So Pastor Brian, maybe you're wondering, you know, Pastor Brian, is he still around? Yes, he is. But he said, why don't you do this week, Tom, since you were on last week. And the whole thing with Scott was kind of a last-minute thing. It worked out. And it was an awesome message. And if you weren't here... To hear his message, go online to lifechurch.fm or lifechurchmain.org. You'll see it in your bulletin and watch that message. It will be awesome. And you heard in Life Church News that we're starting 21 days of prayer starting in August. Uh, The service for that, launching it, will be that week of the 5th. But we're starting the 21 days of prayer on the 6th here at 7 a.m. We'll have a chance for you to come and pray with us. We'll have some worship music and just hang out. It's a way for you to get closer to God. For 21 days, we're asking you as a church to join us the leadership, the staff, to come if you can to 7 a.m. Even if it's Monday through Thursday, if you can make just a couple of days, whatever it is, and get closer to God because he will re- reveal things to you. He will show you things. He will help you make decisions, whatever it is that's going on in your life. You'll learn a little bit more by praying with us on those 21 days. So join us. And you can also maybe fast. Some of us will be fasting some things. And we'll probably talk more about it as time goes on. But get ready, mark your calendars and be involved. And um, before we get started with a message, I have one disclaimer. A lot of our messages are rated G. Well, this one's going to be PG. Uh, I'm not going to go 13. Don't worry. But uh, we're going we're to, so if you have the little kids in the audience, it might be a good time for them to go downstairs. So I might say a few things that maybe are not appropriate for young uh, little kids, okay? Just give you a heads up. Can we pray before we get started? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for this this series and, the, and your scripture and your word. Lord, we ask you to bless us by opening up our ears to hear and our minds to know more about you and, Lord, and our hearts to be softened by your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you came in, you got a bulletin and there's an insert. looks like this. And I'm going to be following that. Got some fill-in-the-blanks for you. So you want to grab a pen and... Um, <clears throat> As we get started. So this new series called A Way Out. Well, the the, the idea or the the title A Way Out comes from a scripture in 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. And this scripture we're going to read together. It's in your insert, and I'll put it also on the screens. It says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure so we're going to be talking about the word that's mentioned three times here in this scripture temptation and i'm hoping today i can kind of identify what it is what it isn't and maybe show you a little bit on how to figure out this way out and how to win now i went on google because google knows everything right so are like yeah yeah well and i typed in the definition of temptation and it came up with this it says It's a desire to do something wrong or unwise. How many can relate to that, right? Then I saw another one that says, you know, it's when um, desire and opportunity meet is when temptation happens. Well, I've been asked to speak about this subject because, quite frankly, I'm an expert at it. I've been tempted in just about every way. And sometimes I have found the way out and succeeded and had victory. And sometimes I've messed up, fallen, and failed. So hopefully I can help you relate to a little bit about this in and, and, and life. And, and can you guys all relate to what I'm just saying? You guys, how many here have made a mistake? Or how many here have fallen short? Three of you, great. The rest of you are, I think we've all died and gone to heaven, everybody. You know, one of the things that's really important is to be honest, especially in church. No. So maybe it's something you've struggled with in the past, or maybe something you are currently dealing with right now. For for this series, we're going to identify temptation as this. It's in your notes. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of being obedient to God. Well, you know, in my life as a young kid, all of our family, when we get together for almost any reason, any event, whether it's big or small, um, we, we, it was a, it was an excuse for a party now, some of you might not realize this because i don 't look it but i 'm fifty three years old it 's the coffee now, <laughs> I call it jesus' juice you know but but you know i 'm <clears throat> And I was raised in the 70s, primarily as a kid. And, you know, and, and it seemed like everything we did, alcohol was surrounded by. We Every party, everything, we always, and, and I wanted to be cool, and I, wanted to look, I looked up to all the adults, and they always had something in their hand. It was a drink. And, you know, and it was always served, and we never would run out. That was, like, sacrilegious. You never ran out of anything like that, you know. And uh, it was so important, growing up, my father had a bar put in our home. I mean, a full-blown bar. I mean, it was amazing. It looked like cheers in my house. You know, it was like amazing. And, um, <laughs> and, and I was at nine years old. I knew how to make just about every drink that my family requested. Nine. I mean, think, of it. it's a different world. Yeah, I understand, but I was nine years old. And the highlight of my weekend was on Sunday after a big event or party or family thing, whatever it was, when I would get all these accolades from all my family. They would say, man, you make the, Tommy, you make the best Bloody Marys. I had no idea why they only needed Bloody Marys on Sunday, but... Some of you can figure it out. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and I, and I got to be, I, I love getting those affirmations and how good I was at making this and making that. So over time, I started to test things to make sure they were good at a young age. And I kept hearing it. And the older I got, the more and more I would do that. And by the time, long story short, by the time I got into high school, I was the one that was known to be able to make any drink anybody wanted at any party. I knew how to what make something, whip it up, and, and make something cool, whether it was be something for the guys or something for the girls. And I was the cool dude because I was, man, I was the guy. And I, you know, and I developed, because I started at a young age, I developed a high tolerance for alcohol. I could, I could drink a lot, which made me awesome at games, drinking games. You know, I mean, I, I was undefeated at a game called Quarters. Does anybody remember that? How do you guys know that? And other games like that. So, but the more I drank, the more I, I, I get in trouble in doing things. And, and, and things I wouldn't normally do. I mean, I lied to people that trusted me. I hurt people and stole from people that loved me. I even broke the law a few times. And I'm not going to get into all the details. But, you know, I, I, would, I would have a few drinks and I would become the life of the party. You know, and it was like the party is here because Tom's here. And God forbid if somebody would have challenged me or dared me to do something. <laughs> or say I couldn't do something, especially after a few pops. Hmm. Again, as I started young. So by the time I entered high school, I knew I didn't want to ride the bus because that wasn't cool. So I found one of my neighbors that had a car. He had this old Camaro that he had redone. It was loud. It was cool. And I gave him a few bucks every week, the gas money to bring me to school. And I was a freshman. And I remember the first day he picked me up, and I think he was a junior or senior, and he was, he was one of the cool guys. And he said, hey, you want to try this? And he lit something up. And I was like, Sure. I was game, you know, I wanted to be cool. And RLO, every day for five days a week, he would pick me up and we'd either have something to smoke or something to drink on the way to school. I mean, crazy, but that's exactly what it was. That was our routine, you know? And by the time I got into college, my excuse for going to happy hour, I mean, I would say, oh, it was a free food. You know, it wasn't the 50 cent drafts. I was sucking down, you know, a handful at a time or anything like that, you know? And, and finally, I got to the point where I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong with me. I mean, I, I got to the point where I was so dependent on that to even function. I couldn't have a good time without having a drink or two. I mean, I, I started losing confidence. Now, anybody who knows me knows I have no problem in that area. <laughs> I'm a pretty confident guy. But I got to the point I couldn't even ask a girl out without having a drink or something. I just, you know, it, was just, it, got, it got to the point where I was so dependent on that. And about that same time, I saw my hero, my dad. Who was on top of the world? People would have called him a millionaire at one point. He had everything. I watched him spiral down because of alcohol and alcoholism, and he got to the point where he lost everything. He was on the streets. And I saw myself going through the same pattern and going the same road, and I said, My gosh, I got to stop this. Now, I don't have a story where I bottomed out and lost everything. I just, I think it was the grace of God that just kind of smacked me and said, Hey, this is not right. I woke up one day and I was at some place. I don't even remember what happened. And I was just, I don't remember who I was with. And I had, unfortunately, I had a very promiscuous lifestyle. I had a lot of girlfriends. And I if people ask me how many I was, I don't even know. I was just out of control. But I, I knew it was wrong. I knew something. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't following Jesus. But I knew something was wrong. And it was about that time my mom said she had gone to a couple of these meetings and there were Al-Anon meetings and I should go because she was dealing with my dad and all the stuff that was going on. And I said, okay, okay. I don't know why I said okay, but I said okay. And my mom didn't know how bad it was that I was drinking every day or whatever it was. She had no idea. And because <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, worry her and I, I was afraid she might go to church and light a candle or something and, or, or be praying all the time or, being, or do something weird, I don't know. And so I just, and I want to protect her. I, I, did, I did, so I didn't tell her. And I went to this Al-Anon meeting, and I didn't know what that was. I thought it was a guy named Alan who started it, and I just—I didn't know. I just walked in, and I heard some stories of people that were like me, raised in, around alcohol, and, and watched their families be destroyed. And I and I saw some people give testimonials about how their addiction. And I just—we went to a couple meetings, and it really hit me. I was like, "Wow, that was powerful." I wasn't the only one that was maybe struggling with this desire, the thing that was that had a hold of me. And I made a decision that day that I was it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I went for a period of time where I didn't drink anything. And, and it was great. And I got refocused on school. I was in college. I got refocused on the vision of the future that maybe I could do something, be something, be successful. And the next thing I did is I started to hang out with other people, people that weren't daring me to do something stupid, people that weren't peer-pressuring me to smoke this or drink this, whatever it was. They were encouraging me to get good grades or to to try harder. Or they had dreams and aspirations to be this or that, an occupation or professional, whatever it was. And I got involved and hung out with those people, and it helped me so much. And it was about that same time I went to my first church service. And um, I met the real Jesus. Jesus. Now I was raised Catholic and I I remember that if I I had a list of things to do and I made all these things good and I did all these things and I went to confession every week and I went to that, that I'd be okay and maybe I would get a chance to get to heaven. I had no idea that Jesus wanted to be my friend, that that he loved me unconditionally, that he would forgive me. All I had to do was put my faith and trust in him. And I heard about this Jesus and I fell in love with him, that he came to heal me, that he came to save me. Now, I didn't go through a lot of the gory details of many years of doing crazy things because I don't want to glamorize it. Because, you know, I'm a pretty good storyteller, and the more that I tell the story, the better they get. So (laughs) I don't want to do that because the real story is what God has done in my life. Now today I can go out and have a beer. It's like it's not a big deal. And somebody can't, some of you guys, people can't do that, and that's okay. And I applaud you. And there's a lot of guys that I know in our church that have been sober for years, like even decades, and I'm proud of you. and, And you're amazing. Okay? And I again I that's awesome. Maybe it's not alcohol, maybe it's a drug. I mean, the opioid addiction is rampant in this state and country and People are dying left and right, and I've lost friends, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? So maybe it's something you're shooting or snorting that you know you shouldn't do. Or maybe it's some other substance like food. You know, I mean, years ago, I was traveling a lot, and I was eating a lot of fast food because it was fast and cheap, and I got up to 260-something pounds. You know, and it was was not good. And I thought I was in my 30s, and I thought I was working probably 60, 80 hours a week, and I thought one day I had a heart attack. And I was just living a terrible lifestyle. I had to make some changes. Why why did I eat so much? Why did I? Because it was there. I wasn't paying attention. And it made me feel good, that comfort food and stuff like that. Or maybe it's something like lying. You know, that you got so used to not telling the truth that you don't even know what the truth is anymore. You know, I mean, we can convince ourselves, right, that our truth is the truth, even when it's not the truth, if we're not careful. Or maybe it's spending. Maybe you see something, you have to have it. Oh, I have to have that dress or shoes or I have to have that snowmobile or my motorcycle or car or whatever. I have to, have to have it. I have to have it. It makes me feel good. And you look back and, oh, my gosh, look at all the debt, the credit cards, whatever it is, all the things I've mounted up in a moment of satisfaction. Or maybe it's something like gambling. Where, you know, you, you just you get the thrill of going to the casino, you know, playing cards, and maybe winning, and, or, you know, betting on sports, or whatever it is that you do. For me, I loved the stock market years ago. And I would, I, instead of doing it right, which is to buy, hold, and forget about it, and good mutual funds, and all that other stuff, and there's ways to do it. I did it wrong. I was trying to make a quick buck every day, trying to play the ups and downs of the stock market. And I always would tell people the wins. Oh, I made this today. I never told them the losses. You know, I <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> you know, and I end up not doing well. But it became almost an addiction for me. Or I just love the thrill and excitement. Or maybe it's the satisfaction you feel when you just let somebody have it because you explode in anger because they've done something wrong. You know what they said to me. You know what they did to me. You know how they treated me, et cetera, et cetera. But you feel good getting it off your chest, right? And you blow up at somebody. Or maybe it's something even smaller like, you know, we all have these little gadgets, these cell phones, Right? You know, these and you know, it seems like everybody has one today. Even my twelve year old daughter who doesn't have one. She's like, Daddy, I need it. I'm the only one that doesn't have a s okay, all right, whatever. You know, we're holding on as long as we can. <laughs> but uh, but you know, everybody has these gadgets and you know, and, and we have this almost this this fear, they call it FOMO, the fear of missing out on social media that we have to like this about this friend, or we have to comment on this because if we don't, they're not gonna know we still like them. You know, and we get into this trap, but we have to, have to, have to. And Sometimes I'm, I'm meeting with somebody I can't even really have a conversation with them because they're like, <laughs> and I feel, you know, I feel like doing something really bad, but I won't. But, <laughs> you know, just grabbing their phone or something. But, uh, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not perfect. I've had those moments to myself. <clears throat> or maybe, you know, I read, I read uh, about that. I read just recently that the average person is looking at their phone 150 times plus per day. That's crazy, you know. Interesting. Or maybe it's a struggle with something else. Maybe like a sexual sin or sexual temptation. Hey, can we talk about sex for a minute? <laughs> that was overwhelming. You know? <laughs> it's like one of those. Yeah, you want to, but you. I don't know if we should in church. You know, <laughs> it's real life, isn't it? You know, we have that God given desire. I heard Pastor Brian say it so well years ago that he said it's like fire in a in a in a, in a secure area. It's perfect, but outside it'll burn your house down. It's so true, isn't it? You know, maybe we're allowing ourselves to see things or watch things we shouldn't. Maybe it started innocently. We saw, I remember the first time I saw a Playboy it was a friend's, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what is that? You know? So I really needed to investigate to learn. <laughs> I'm having a little fun here, you know? But, you know, what ha- but maybe you're, you're having a regular diet of watching things or, or putting yourself in spots that are not good. And eventually what's going to happen, it keeps growing to a point where you act out. Maybe you're one click away from doing something you know you shouldn't. Maybe one text away from hooking up, and you know you shouldn't. You know, there's this site called Tinder, I think, that's out there, and um, um, I, I haven't heard much about it other than it's a, it's a dating site supposedly where people get together for one date, figure it out. <laughs> and but what's interesting is that you swipe right when you accept a person, right? they've had over one trillion swipe rights. That's just, We are over in our culture today. Sex isn't bad in the context that God created it. You know, husband wife and marriage, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but outside of that, it'll burn your house down, right? Or maybe it's relational. Years ago, I, knew, I almost needed to have a new relationship. I needed to have a new, it was like a hit. It was a new relationship. Why? Because new relationships are fun. They're exciting. But the real fun and exciting is sticking it out over periods of years. My wife and I have been married 28 years next month. I mean, by the grace of God. Because I know for a fact I've tried to mess that up so many times. And I've tried to blow it up so many times. And I've messed, I mean, I can't even get into it all. But by the grace of God. And we know when we fight for it, it is a blessing. And we are blessed by it. Scientists have proven... And that whenever we give into something, our temptation, our brain releases a chemical called dopamine that gives you a hit, a buzz, a thrill, an excitement. You know, we bought something, we saw something, we did something, or we ingested something, whatever it is. And it makes us feel really good. It gives us a high, it gives us energy. But eventually, what are we left with after it's over? See, the, the after effects are always a big letdown. Feeling sick, either physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever it is. Riddled with debt, maybe. Or even worse, plagued by, for, sometimes plagued for years with feelings of guilt, shame, remorse, or worthlessness. And then you start to ask yourself, like I did years ago, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? Well, I'm hoping today, as we start this series, that I'm going to give you some truths about temptation. And I'm going to follow along here and, I, and your insert. And give you a couple things. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin. So many people think, "Oh my gosh, you know, I saw something that I shouldn't have, and I looked away, I, I ran away." I mean, did sin? No, that's a victory. You didn't act on it. You succeeded. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. It says this in in your notes. You'll see it. It says um, the high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. And it goes on in that same book in Hebrews. Says, Since he himself has gone through s- suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are tested. Jesus knew exactly what we were going through. And when I first read that years ago, I'm like, God, oh, come on. How could he know? What, how could he have gone through Jesus? He didn't have the internet. You know, he, you know. He didn't have a cell phone. How did he go through the same things I went through? And then I started thinking about it. Who did he hang out with? Sinners. And culture would say, the worst of the worst. And one of his disciples was a tax collector, Levi, who was named Matthew. And I could just picture him coming to Jesus and say, listen, man, I've been doing some figuring, and I think we can avoid taxes if we do this. You know, he was tempting Jesus. Or he had a lot of gals in his ministry, a lot of women that were in his ministry. And I can just picture a gal going up to him, hey, Jesus, that was a great message. Can we pray? Can we hug? And she hugs, and then she goes, and he was a carpenter, and she went, boy, do you work out? I mean, I mean, I'm mean, i having a little fun, but that's the reality. He was tempted. Or maybe she said this, oh, Jesus, I wish my husband was more like you. You speak so well. You're such a leader. <laughs> I don't know, but he was tempted in every way we are. You might be saying to yourself, okay, Tom, I understand what you're saying, but what is a sin? Now, I'm not going to go through all the things, but don't we know in our heart when we're doing something wrong? We don't have to teach you that. Okay, that's wrong. You know, when you're a little kid, it's kind of built in with us. When you get a toy and some other kid wants to grab it, what do you say? Mine. (laughs) Grab it away. I mean, we don't have to teach how to be bad. It's kind of inherent in us. All right? Maybe, you, maybe just for an example, maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to fast. I'm going to make a commitment to God during 21 days of prayer, and I'm not going to have any sweets or anything. What's going to happen? That next day, somebody is going to stop by the store, Krispy Kremes, and I'm going to bring in a whole box of donuts, and they am going to put it in the break room. And you have to walk by it every time you go, is it a sin to smell it? No. <laughs> I'm having a little fun with you. And then what do they do? They eat all but one half of one donut. It's all gone but that one half, and you got to look. Nobody's looking around, you know. <laughs> or they eat them all, and you look in the corner, and there's a whole bunch of little glazed icing there, and you just want to scoop it a little there. How do I know this stuff? <laughs> now, they have a little fun, and is it a sin to eat a donut? No, no, no. Is it a sin to eat 12 or 15 of them? Probably. God says that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, gluttony. I mean, come on, he, he, he's not asking us to it's free to do anything. No, the sin is when you know something's wrong and you do it anyway. I remember years ago, I worked in an office and it was a bunch of gals in the office. And uh, every year, the landscapers would come and they would, you know, in this office complex. And, and our offices had windows on every, you know, it seems like every, every uh, wall. And they would do their landscaping. They cut the grass and they would trim things. And it got really hot. So a lot of the guys would take their shirts off. And that's always, it seemed like always when the girls took their breaks. And. Uh, and he'd walk out and get some air or get some sun or making sure that these guys were okay. I'm having a little fun with you, but that was what happened. You know, and is it a sin to see that? No, but it's a sin to dwell on it. It's a sin to, I mean, it's a, you know, to act on it, right? Or, you know, you go to the gym and you see Miss Yoga Pants. Who invented those anyway? Come on. I believe it was the devil himself. I know what I can do. Yoga pants. And then you're you're working out and you start to forget what you're doing. And you want to focus on what she's doing, making sure she's doing her workout right. I'm having a little fun with you, but you know what? That's exactly how it starts. That's a temptation. And is it a temptation to see? No, but it's a temptation if we let it... It'll get to the point where it's a sin when we act on it. And maybe we go there and have a conversation or try to make eye contact or try to show off, look how much I got, honey. Mm." And you're married. It's like, oh, no, what am I thinking? What am I doing? It's not cool. Sin is always the action followed by the thought, the temptation, moving towards that. And again, the temptation is something that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Here's something. I didn't have in my notes, but write it down. You'll probably hear this through through our series. That whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. We'll probably have that a few times as we go on. So number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you're never above temptation. You are never above temptation. Even Jesus, after he got baptized, was brought out, led by the Spirit, to be tempted by the devil. You are never above it. Even if Jesus was tempted, everyone is susceptible to temptation. And we've all, one of the biggest mistakes we've ever seen in in our lives or other lives is that when people think that they've overcome it, that they've arrived, and I'm good, I don't need any help anymore, I'm good, I got this. And you've seen it, you've seen your professionals like, you know, doctors and lawyers and teachers and and, and athletes and even, even pastors fall from grace and make a terrible decision because they thought they had arrived. They didn't need to have safeguards. They didn't need to protect themselves. They didn't need to worry about things anymore. A friend of mine that um, uh, came to this church years ago and then has moved away, and uh, for years he, was, he had made a commitment to God to be celibate. He was married, divorced, and went through a really tough time, similar to mine. And he said that, and for years he was, and he did a great job. But I saw something that started to happen. He started to get full of pride. And instead of being compassionate when well, one of his brothers or one of his friends, would make a mistake, he'd be like, what's your problem? He was harsh on them. And like, like I went up to him, I said, dude, you got to be careful. man. these people, we're all sinners. And yeah, but I'm good. I'm like, oh, no, 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 come on. And sure enough, within about a year or two after that conversation, he fell hard, I mean, really hard, really bad. And he was full of guilt and all this other stuff that happened. And, and, you know, we restored, we worked together, we helped each other, we, we loved on him, we were there for him. But it's taken him years to recover from that. Why? Because he thought he was above temptation. When I was in high school and college, I played some football. And uh, one, of the thing we, one of the things we'd always do before we would play the next match, the next game, in the following weekend, we would watch the game films of the, previous, uh, of the team we're going to play from the previous week. And we had some scouts that would get them, and then we would watch over and over again the game films. Why? We were looking for a weak spot. We were looking for where we could exploit them or where we could beat them. And you know what? We have an enemy, folks. He's called the devil or saint, and he's, he's evil, and he hates us. He's jealous of us because God picked us and not him. And all he wants to do is to tempt you and take you down. Now, the, the beautiful thing is the only power he has is what you give him. He has no power over us other than what you give him. If you allow it to happen, he will, he will work it. <laughs> he will milk it, but he, will, he hasn't had no power. It's up to us to give it to him. When I first uh, came to church almost 20 years ago, and I've shared this before, and I'm pretty open about it, and I had a really bad struggle with pornography. And it was an addiction. And through the grace of God and counseling and some help from godly men in our church and being accountable and and, and locking arm in arm, I got through it. And today, it's not an issue anymore. Praise God. But that doesn't mean I'm not susceptible to being tempted. It doesn't mean I'm not... You know, could not go down that road if I'm not careful. I mean, I have to watch myself. I, ha- I can't watch certain TV programs. You know, I was on Netflix watching this cool series, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bedroom scene. And it had nothing to do with the plot. I'm like, what is up? Why, you know? And it just, it just kind of made me mad. I'm like, I like this show, and this, the, it's kind of cool, and why do they have to do that? And I couldn't watch it anymore. And there's an alternative. If if you're looking, if you're interested and you want to watch stuff that's good and healthy, there's a a service called Pure Flix that's all Christian-based and it's family-oriented. You can get on that. It's pretty cheap. And it it, it gives you an alternative. Because I couldn't watch stuff that was unhealthy. I couldn't go down that road. And then we also have to protect ourselves, especially myself and other men and and, and, and women, too, that we, we don't meet with. I mean, I won't meet with another gal privately without somebody else there. And not because I'm messed up and I can't handle it. It's not that. It's just I just don't want to get to the point where I start to think, dwell, or even lead that, lead that person down the wrong road. So we have to put safeguards because it's very dangerous. It's a slippery slope. So you're never above temptation. Number three, God never tempts you. Now, God never tempts you. A lot of us, you know, I've heard people say, "Oh, God's tempting me in this, and why is this happening?" You know? Well, God doesn't tempt. It says, <clears throat> "It says, and remember, in James." When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God has never attempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, um, a few months ago, uh, almost, oh gosh, over six, eight months ago now, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's a nurse, very successful, she's doing a great job. She just moved back from northern Maine after she did some time working after school, and she's working now at Maine Medical. She's doing a great job, but she brought with her back to home, moved home with us. She brought back a dog, a big dog. And he's, he's a big, big dog. <laughs> and He likes to eat a lot, but no, I mean, but he's got a great heart. He's a friendly dog. I mean, you knock on the door, he'll bark, and then he'll lick you to death. I mean, he loves people. He won't harm a fly. You know, he can't even catch a fly. He's tried because he's a big dog. But, but you know what? He, he lives totally and is motivated totally on his own desires. He could be upstairs, and here's the refrigerator door open. <laughs> he knows. He's running down. And says, oh, there might be an opportunity for food. Something might drop on the floor. <laughs> you know, and he'll clean it up. You know, I mean, he, he lives totally in his own desires. And, you know, left to ourselves, we could do the same thing. God never tempts you. Number four, there's always a way out. Now, in that scripture, God gives us a way out so we can endure. Now, I'm not going to give you all the do's and don'ts of what to do here, what to do there. I think there's a lot of that out there. and You'll probably learn some more in the next few weeks as we go along with this series. But one of the, if you want a good story to learn on what to do, all you do is look at the book of Genesis. It's, I think it's around chapter 39, the story of this guy named Joseph. Joseph became very successful in Egypt That he was working at the, he was actually a slave, but he was at the governor's mansion. Basically, he he was taking care of everything. And his wife, who was named Potiphar, thought he was hot. Because the Bible said he was handsome. So I guess he was. And she was after him. And after him every day. And every day. She's trying, hey, man. She goes, you um, you know, let's go get the, let's pray together. (laughs) Um, You know, that's not what she's asking. But. And finally, she grabbed him. No one was around. She grabbed him and said, you, you need to go to bed with me. And he said, no. It was to be a sin against God and your, your husband and all that stuff. And he ran away. So if you don't know what to do, do what Joseph did. Run. If you don't know what else to do, just run. It's a great story you should read. Maybe you feel, though, that you're trapped like I was years ago. And various things trapped, and I just—I try, I keep doing well, I keep Oh my gosh, and then I'd fall, and I keep doing well, and I work harder, and I work harder, and I get more help, and I'd fall again, and this kid over and over, and this crazy cycle happened over and over again. Why? Because I was trying to do it with my own strengths, my own will, my own abilities. I was trying to just gut it out and do it. Yes, I prayed and stuff, but I'm going to handle this myself because I'm a man. You know, and we, I was brought up with this idea of, you know, if I just make all the, keep all the rules and do all that and, and basically have like what's called sin management. I'd manage myself and manage my sin, and I'd hold it down. What's going to happen? Either I get prideful because I look at who I have accomplished, or number two, I get exhausted because it wears you out, or number three, a lot of people end up getting to the point where they're hopeless and they give up. It kind of reminds me of a beach ball. Ever go, into, uh, ever go to the ocean like, you know, it's summertime? You go into the ocean and you're playing in the water. You bring a beach ball and you try to hold it under the water. You might be able to do it for a while. I don't know. But eventually you're going to get tired. Eventually your arms are going to get exhausted. And there's a lot of factors with that. How strong you are. How much, you know, sunscreen you have on your hands. <laughs> or whatever. Or, or, or how big the waves are. There's a lot of factors, but eventually you're going to get tired and that beach ball, you're going to, it's going to let go and you're, going to, you're not going to be able to hold it down anymore. And what I've learned, it's not about sin management, it's about relationship with Christ, it's about my relationship with Jesus that's going to help me get through. That's really the way out. Some things were easier for me, some things were harder. and Maybe you're like that too. And the only thing I ever saw and only anything that worked in my life, the way out always was him. The way out was always leaning into him. The way out was always going to him. And what happens with that beach ball when you, let, when you let go of it? It comes up nice and slow, right? No. It explodes with a vengeance back in your life. And what Jesus did, he didn't come to coach you. He didn't say, oh, good job. You can do it. Come on. come on. You can work harder. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I know you can. He took his sword and he punctured that thing. And he ended it in your life. And that's exactly what he'll do. Just keep leaning on him. Keep going to him. And eventually, it won't be there anymore. Martin Luther, who was the uh, great theologian many years ago, he was a Catholic monk that that started the Reformation Church in the 1500s. And the reason why we even have a Bible today is because of him. Because back then you couldn't get the word of God unless you went to a priest. And he said there's three things that we need to grow as Christians. He said, number one, prayer. We have to be able to pray daily to God and be in communion and communication with God every day. Number two, meditation, which is reading God's word, studying and reading God's word. And that's why he's fought so hard for all of us to be able to have the Bible, have the word of God in our hands. And he said number three, which was very important, he said we need temptation. Like What? We need temptation. Why? Because it grows us. It makes us better. It gets us stronger. It's also an invitation to be more dependent on God, more dependent on Christ, because you realize you can't do it on your own. And it forces you to get closer and forces you to... It's really, folks, it's an invitation. A temptation is an invitation for submission. When you submit yourself to God, when you submit yourself to Jesus and say, hey, I can't do this on my own, that's when things change. That's when victories happen. That's when you get supernatural strength and, 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 and ways out, you start to see them. The ways out instead of you couldn't see them anymore. I don't know how I can overcome this, but now all of a sudden the doors are opening. People are in your life, or things are, you, know, you can run, or whatever it is, it happens. Temptation, Martin Luther said it is necessary. But it starts with submission. And what's beautiful about that, it says in, um, in Job here, it says, submit, submit to God and you'll have peace. Then things will go well for you. See, God is a rewarder. He's a blesser. He is going to reward you. It goes on, it says in James, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testings and temptations. Why? Because he wants to bless us. He wants to reward you. Because what happens after your submission is a promotion. So temptation is an invitation to submission, which leads to promotion. You know, every year our, our, our high school kids and college kids, they go through semesters, and they get to the end of the year, right? And they do what after they're done? They take a test or a test, a series of tests, or finals. Why? Because when they pass that, they go to the next class. They get promoted. It's the same thing, and God is Our Heavenly Father who loves us and He wants to promote us. He wants to bless us. How much those of you that are parents want to bless your own kids when they do something right? Don't you want to give them the world? Don't you want to say, wow. Don't you want to just hug them and cheer them on? It says, I think in Matthew, that our God wants to do it even more than we could ever imagine for us. But it's necessary to go through the steps. So I want you to think about temptation now as something totally different. Not Why is this happening to me? Oh, this is happening again. Oh, I'm struggling with this. No, 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 no. Look at it differently through different lenses. Why? Maybe God has a reason. Maybe God's trying to get me through this and and teach me something and show me the way out for the future and make me stronger. Because he really wants to craft us, to mold us, to create in us to be more like his son. So we can bow our heads and close our eyes. And as we uh, wrap up here today, I want you to think, maybe there's something that I talked about that you can relate to. I mean, every one of those things I shared is something I've dealt with in my life. And maybe, just maybe, God is stuck on your heart. And he's saying, you know what? It's time. You gotta deal with this. You already know. It's not like you don't know. And he knows. It's no secret to him you have a struggle, have a, a temptation that you just haven't. You've gone through the cycle and you just can't seem to break free. And if that's you, nobody's looking around, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, the first thing you need to do is commit admit it. You got to say, man, I need some help. So everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, you can raise your hand and there's a bunch of hands. Maybe it's alcohol or a substance. Maybe it's, maybe it's, relationships, or maybe it's a a sexual addiction, or or, I don't know, or something else I mentioned. I don't know what it is, but you do. He wants you to be free. He wants to take that from you. He is your way out. I'm going to pray, and then we'll stand up and worship to our Father. Dear Lord, thank you for everybody that raised a hand, or maybe there were some that didn't and know they needed to. But we ask you to touch them, to put people in their lives, to give them the strength to come to you first, to know that you're the way out. You are. We ask you to bless them and give them courage and, and reveal yourself to them, how much you love them because you gave it all for us you love us so much and you want the best. We we'll be ask that in Jesus' name.